the soundtrack. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. You're listening to the River Radio Business Source Show with me, Sophie Comas. I hope you're all having a really good week this week. On today's show, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Sarah Bryan, a therapist with us on today's show. We're going to be finding out a bit more about Sarah, learning about her business and how she helps her clients, debating and discussing some of the challenges faced in the small business world today. Plus, Sarah's also got some great music and book choices for us. So, Sarah, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you with us this afternoon. It's good good to meet you in person. (laughs) So, Sarah... um, Let's start by um, sharing with the listeners. Um, perhaps share a bit more about what you do. So I typically work with midlife women who are struggling to find effective treatment for unresolved physical pain. Okay. And my team and I help them become pain-free for good so they feel younger and rediscover the fun in life. Oh, wow. That, that sounds like quite a tall order. So, <laughs> so what, what kind of things do you typically do with your clients? Is, is that through massage? Is that through, um, I don't know, I know there's all sorts of kind of um, alternative therapies out there. Yeah, I'd prefer to say complementary rather than alternative because yeah. actually we don't, um, you know, I don't replace the NHS and don't pretend to, uh, don't want to. Um, but we offer, well, it's, it's not just me, it's my team, and we offer a, a very holistic solution because there's very seldom one cause for someone's pain. Mm. So just to give you an example of a story, a lady I'm working with at the moment she had a car crash. Yeah. Um, she was also then assaulted at work. Oh, wow. She, yeah. And she has had a lot of issues around vertigo and around um, digestive issues, reflux, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so the the approach for her is, is manifold. She's doing some grief recovery work at the moment to deal with some of the, the, the traumatic experiences in her relationships. And she's dealing, uh, she's having body work from me, which is full on how do we change the function of your body? How do we get the all the different bits doing what they should be so that some bits are not overcompensating or undercompensating? Mm. Um, and um, a complete dietary program as well, uh, with a view in time to her being able to reduce some of the medication that she's on because yeah. her gut's holding its own. Gosh. And, and working on the mindset. And she wants to now start doing some exercise. So there'll be a, um, a rehab program there in place for her um she's been on board for um 12 uh, so she's coming on board for 12 months she's been on board for three months and she's already made amazing progress wow that's that's quite a complex scenario mm. that you've described there yeah. with with yeah. one accident and some really horrible things that followed afterwards mm. so that's no wonder her body's gone into some trauma <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> oh gosh so when you say um i mean I, I i think for the listeners um i know you work quite a lot with the fascia and kind of 
preparing for our conversation today. I know you work quite a lot with the fascists. So when you mentioned that you were treating her um, with, I think, did you say, was it the body work? Um, how did you yeah, phrase I, it? Yeah, I, I don't call it massage because it gives rather the wrong impression. Yeah. Um, I am a massage therapist and we do use it sometimes. But yeah, um, I work with the fascia, which is, if you imagine like a living wetsuit under your skin. <laughs> it's a multidimensional wetsuit, sort of made of protein and water and sugar. And it's it binds everything to everything, um, so it, you need bones connected to your neck bone, <laughs> uh, really, because you've got all this um, attaching to the bones, the organs, um, all the muscle sheaths as well. It's all joined up. So if you imagine, take a take a bit of your clothing at the front mm. and pull it forward and down, you will then feel that said same clothing going up at the back and tightening. So. Um, if you imagine someone's got a scar or a sticky bit, when things get inflamed and tight, they get sticky, they then stick to underlying structures and things get a bit bound down. That then impacts on other areas of the body that you might not think of. Mm. A bit like when I'm in church and I kneel on my cassock because it's too, it's very long. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I can't breathe. It's up my, it's got stuck around my neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great example of how the fascia works. Yeah. So it's about... Yes, where is the person in pain? But what is actually causing the pain? It could be it could be the uh, an abdominal scar from a hysterectomy is causing shoulder pain. I've seen several cases of that. That's really interesting. I, I'm sure the listeners were doing this, <coughs> doing that as well. As you said that, I did. I followed you with <coughs> with with um, pulling my top down and, yeah. and just feeling that sensation. So that's pull up um, the back. Yeah, uh, that's neck. that's really interesting. And I think um, you know I've I've also looked been kind of had it explained to me that you know when you have chicken there's like a a kind of a film on the chicken it's that connective tissue which sort of binds everything together binds everything together and it's full of nerves which send very interesting messages to the brain not just about what is actually touching you um, but it helps to regulate that fight and flight response as well Mm. um, and it reduces inflammation on a chemical level within the cells so you then well yeah reducing the pain um, and also overriding sometimes when there's a lot of pain that the brain's activation to pain just gets too low and then anything that might be a neutral stimulus for somebody without pain might then be perceived by someone with a complex pain condition as really painful the brain's just gone into overload and so we're reversing all that and also with client feedback they're becoming more aware of their body how they're feeling inside and more aware of the posture, the positioning, the the movement that is possible. So we are. I'm not in the business of grabbing hold of people and correcting their posture, but by working mm. with them as I do, the body self regulates and self corrects. It's a bit like it's a bit like a midwife. A midwife doesn't make a woman give birth. The birth is a natural process, but the midwife is there to make sure that it all goes smoothly and safely and that the, 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 the mother is supported. And I feel very similar, really. Yeah, that's, that's a really lovely analogy that you, um, you do it in that way because you're right, there are other sort of treatments like chiropractic and osteopathy and things that mm. sometimes can be more, more forceful in changing, changing the body posture um, and, and the way it works. <laughs> more like the C-section, yeah, absolutely, <coughs> which has its place sometimes, don't get me wrong. Yes, well, yeah, that, that's a, a, the C-section and that sort of thing is a completely different, <laughs> yeah, uh, different level. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you mentioned pain there. So, your focus really is on a very particular kind of target audience—that it's people who um, perhaps have exhausted other.
other options and um, you know really struggling with with where they where they are. Yes. Yeah, so typically, um, they've either been to the doctor and been put on painkillers. They've had all the investigations. It's good when when people have had scans, MRIs, X-rays, so we know where we're at. Um, we can refer them for um, MRIs if we need to do that, uh, and they can be done privately. Um, but yes, often, or they're on a long waiting list. I, I had one lady fairly recently, she had a tendinopathy in the shoulder, so a, a lot of pain. Um, and she came to us while she was waiting for an NHS appointment. She's finished her programme. She still hasn't got an NHS appointment. Wow. And she's pain free. She no longer requires that. And it would have been something like a cortisone injection, which again, is a bit more of a sticking plaster. Mm. Yes, it might well make the pain go away. But it's not treating the underlying cause. No. And also, if you put someone out of out of pain, pain's there for a reason. They might then go on and go back to the gym and do some massive weightlifting or whatever and actually mm. cause more damage because the pain's being masked. Yeah. So they could end up with, with a worse problem than they started with potentially. Yeah, I remember, um, that's interesting you say that. It reminds me, um, when I was younger, I used to have horses and um, there's a particular kind of... Um, condition with a horse where um they, they had a problem with the bones in their feet and they used to put them on butte which is like a, an, a horse equivalent of um of cortisone mm. and eventually the horse would have cortisone would have um <clears throat> would have butte to the point that actually it then continued to be lame even after mm. receiving the medication and it was literally just a kind of a de- degenerative disease so it's just never something that was fixable but your analogy there is is absolutely right that if you put a plaster on things and you don't don't solve the underlying problem mm. then you can do more damage than good in the long run you could do yeah mm, definitely so um how many people do you have on your team it sounds like you can offer quite a wide <laughs> range of, of support there i haven't actually sat down and counted them um because I mean, i've got several coaches several hypnotherapists several personal trainers because one size doesn't fit all so sure. it might be um somebody for example I've got two personal trainers one does sort of traditional zoom sessions the other uses an app and will have a call with the client and then put all their work out on the app which frees up his time to then actually answer questions one-to-one if people have them so it's more of a done for you so again I, I just asked my client yesterday would you prefer to have traditional well, if Zoom is becoming traditional, it's sort I, of I was, Yeah, I was interested in your use of that. Yeah. I was like, goodness, it's been two years. And <laughs> yeah, I know, but I suppose what I meant was the face-to-face lessons, right? Sure. This is it. You know, we can sit together for half an hour as opposed to doing it yourself on an app and then just checking in when things come up. Am I yeah. doing this right? So it depends how they want to work, where they are, what the main issue is. So I, I have an, a hypnotherapist who specialises in pain, and then I also mentor clients with sight loss and I have another chap who's really good at helping people with self-belief and mindset. So again, if the issue was more around self-belief and confidence, then I would use him. Yeah. So yeah. I hand pick every client that gets a hand picked team and sometimes it's down to their preferences or sometimes it's just down to a gut feeling for mm. me like I think these two would work really well together yeah. and then every team member will have a chat with the client because they want to be sure it's it's a good fit and everyone's comfortable before they go ahead yeah so you know so everyone's happy with um, what they're doing and all my team are professional enough to say if they can't handle something um or we, we talk to each other about clients 
if if I've missed something, one of my team members will pick me up on it. And then, and likewise, I might detect something and feed that back and say, you might want to have a look at this. I think there's something to unpack here. So we are, it's that many heads are better than one. And mm, we have the definitely. same ethos. So we don't, it's funny, we don't always agree but then that that's used in a way to move people forward. We don't squabble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Like you say, everybody comes at things from a slightly different perspective, don't they? So that's that's good to have the, the different heads. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So so what what would you say is the best part of your job, Sarah? What do you really enjoy the most? I think what I saw yesterday when my lady came in and said. I've got no pain except my jaw's a bit achy but my back's fine there's no pain whatsoever and oh we just got some orthotics fitted for her as well some foot insoles corrective insoles Mm. Um, and she said um, oh it told me it might be a bit painful to begin with but it isn't and my husband commented how straight I was when I was walking and I had a look at her and she was just standing so much straighter and it's those moments when you just think Yes, I am doing the right thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's a real struggle in business. But yeah. then when you just see something like that, like you think, I do know what I'm doing. We're all right. The team are good. It's all fine. <laughs> Chill. Excellent. No, that's good. That's good. And how about the worst part of your job? Um, the, uh, the worst part, I suppose, I guess it's the opposite. Perhaps when somebody is not progressing quite as you would like, Mm. or as you had expected and at first it's not about you it's their journey that's the first thing to remember Um, but I guess yeah if things aren't going to plan and then it's for me to hold that space for them and tell them it's fine and progress is not linear but at the same time working behind the scenes to make sure that we're not missing something Um, yeah we make pretty big promises so we want to make sure and we do deliver on them because we, we have to and it's about you know, rather than saying I can't deal with this, it's like, how else can we get there? Mm. So, um, but that's not really a bad part. It's just a challenge to Certainly. solve the problem. Definitely. And do you find mindset of your clients is a really important part? Do you find that if they're they're kind of of the opinion, you know, what well, I I just want to get this solved, or I'm not, this isn't going to work? It impacts the outcome. Oh, totally. And to be honest, my screening process is such, and you know, my clients will work with me for three, six, or twelve months, and my team. So I don't work on a sessional basis, and I think that in itself um, filters the clients that I get and I get people who are serious about investing them in themselves to sort out the, the problem that they have and it's pretty bad and having a massive impact on their life because yeah when I used to work on a session by session basis you get people coming and saying well I'm no better and I'd say oh, how did you get on with those exercises we talked about oh I haven't got time to do them <laughs> and it used to really demotivate me not just because the money but you're thinking well you're wasting your time and your money and my time and so you know for me it's, it's I don't do it just for the money I mm. like to see the outcome so yeah I would say what I offer is not for the faint-hearted and the people I get are really engaged yeah I, th- I think that's absolutely true for from what I've seen anybody that works in the sort of care world um, and I would put you within that as in caring for people mm. it's definitely um, definitely a passion to to see that progression and to see people get better and, mm-hmm. and and kind of move forward in a positive way 
Mm-hmm. Um, now I understand you've been um, there's some rather exciting things happening at the end of this week <laughs> for you. But you've you've been nominated for an award and shortlisted. Is that is that correct? Yes. So the Best Business Women Awards, which is a yeah. national award, I have been shortlisted as one of the nation's most inspirational business women. Oh wow! Mm, thank you. <laughs> that's that's quite a, an accolade. <laughs> it's lovely, and it's a nice thing to remember. Again, when things are, are tricky, it's a good thing to remember. We're off to Wembley and um, to celebrate with them and Debbie Gilbert who's organized it and her team they've done a fantastic job and we've had to do a little bit of hula hooping um, problem solving because of the train strikes of course oh gosh is that, is that planned is that planned for Friday is Friday it? night yes oh goodness well it's okay we've we've sorted it out and again it's the how else can we get there isn't it it's that mm. mindset definitely um, we're going to Wembley to the Hilton and it's going to be a big shindig and I'm having my nails done by a colleague and I'm having hair and makeup done and I'm just going to be a complete celebrity for the day which is <laughs> not normally my style I'm sat here in trousers um, <laughs> oh but you are looking very smart in your suited trousers <laughs> my, my pink suit I wear pink for marketing you see it's, 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 a, it's a color that makes people feel safe Ah, I love the psychology behind colour. So that's um, that's interesting that you pick up on that. So oh, that's you. good. Um, so and about this um, this time of the show, we like to well, good luck for Friday. Thank um, you. Before we move on too quickly with that, nice. so definitely keep us posted and let us know how you get on with with your awards. Thank you. Um, I know oh. um, I've heard of the the awards ceremony, and I know the team do a really great job there. So um, there should be lots of exciting things coming out um, on Friday. I should imagine. I think it will be. I've been networking with the other finalists and they're all pretty cool people. It's not an easy award to actually get shortlisted for and they are a great bunch of ladies and I'm looking forward to meeting them. Excellent. It all all sounds good. I look forward to hearing more about that. Um, So around this point in the show, we like to share some business books and or podcasts um, with our audience. and I know, obviously, Sarah, you're, you're, you have full sight loss, so you will be listening to audiobooks, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, um, well, have you heard any good books recently? I know you've sent me a recommendation with some thoughts through. Yeah, I, I can't actually remember what I said now, but because I've been reading quite a few. Um, it was The Magic, Magic of, of Thinking, Thinking Big. Big. Yes. yes. Um, and I've just finished that one, and I'm trying to remember who it's even by. Oh, yes. Um, by David J. Schwartz. Schwartz. That's the one. It's lovely. Um, it's all about sort of if you think you're big and important, not in an egotistical way, but in a powerful, empowered and empowering way, I can do this. It impacts on how you interact with people, on being bigger than your problems. And if, if someone's done something that's not, perhaps entirely helpful to you how how to address that and make them feel feel really important um it's, it's a bit like how a school teacher might say to a child who really can't sing you can pl- be special you can come and play the tambourine i think you can do that really well <laughs> that, that was me <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's that for grown-ups really <laughs> excellent and yeah it's a, it's a nice book and That's about good. and about achieving what you want as well that if you think you can you can as henry ford put it if you think you can or you think you can't you're right yeah and in reality there are always times when we think we can and there'll be other times when you know, our, our little um, red flags, our, our little mental demons come along and, and tell us that we can't and then we, we can rise above those things. Mm, definitely. I think mindset has a lot to play um, play with things and, um, 
Yeah, I think definitely as a small business owner, mm. having that really positive mindset and the resilience um, can often be very difficult. So I know it's a, a conversation we've had quite frequently mm. with a lot of the guests on the show. Mm. Um, so thank you for introducing um, yourself to us um, this afternoon, Sarah. It's been good to hear about yourself and the business. Um, we're going to play a track now that you've chosen for us this afternoon. Um, the first one of the two that you've chosen for us was Rocking All Over the World by Status Quo. So was, <laughs> yeah. the, was there a reason that you liked it? Yes, I think um, Radio 4 does this thing, they call it inheritance tracks on their Saturday Live programme. And this is very much the track that I've inherited from my mum. <laughs> they used to have big New Year's Eve parties and have uh, people, other people were sleeping in the bath and crammed into the bathroom. There were so many people. Um, but yeah, big fan of status quo. And she taught me to sort of dance and have a jiggle to uh, rocking all over the world. And my mum did a world cruise and she did rock all over the world. And I, I want to do that one day. So um, it's, it's a blast from the past and a look to the future as well. Lovely. And I love that story about your mum as well. So, um, so we'll play that for her this afternoon as well. So here we go. Rocking all over the world by status quo.
back. You're listening to Sophie Comas on the River Radio Business Source Show, and that was um, status quo rocking all over the world. Um, thank you for listening in this afternoon. Today we're joined by Dr. Sarah Bryan, um, and so far we have introduced Sarah, a little, heard a little bit more about her business. And don't forget, if you have missed part of today's show, you can listen again on Catch Up via the website river.radio or as the podcast via all of the usual places. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch with, about any of the discussions we're having on the show today, please do drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. So, Sarah, welcome back. Thank you. So, we're going to start this part of the show with a, um, with a quick fire question round. Mm. For those listeners out there, Sarah's starting to look a slightly unnervous <laughs> and slightly uneasy. But I promise you, don't worry, you, you're definitely going to know the answers. So, Sarah, are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> Do you like Marmite or peanut butter? Peanut butter. Beer or wine? Wine. Schweppes or fever tree? Neither. Oh. Sparkling water with some uh, hydrolat, um, which is a plant distilled water. I make my own. Okay, excellent. I've, that, I've not had that answer before. <laughs> um, football or rugby? Neither. I'm an Olympic um, yoga uh, yoga student. There's no competition. Okay. Okay. I was going to say tennis or cricket, so I guess that answers that question Let's too. Let's say swimming. I love swimming. Okay. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee. Decaf, though. Uh, lime or lemon? Lime. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Summer. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark. Um, and do you have a favourite city? Sheffield. Oh, that's an unusual one. Um, any particular reason? Or? I lived there for 13 years. So I, should, I should say, I, li- I lived there 13 years, Doc, so yeah. I think I'm one of them. Um, yeah, I, lived, <laughs> I was at university there, met my husband there, got married there, started my business there. It's where I became an adult. Oh, And I excellent. miss it. I, mean, I like it here, but I really miss it out there as well. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think you go back there? <laughs> Probably not, but it's good to go back for a visit. And they still... They talk to you like it was yesterday. Hey, up, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I feel like that about Bournemouth. That's mm. where I, I went to uni and, and had a similar sort of experience. And um, so last couple of questions. Describe yourself in three words. Curious, passionate, courageous. Ooh. Oh, I like the courageous one. I, I might come back to you on that one in just a moment. And if you had a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> I think I'd like to... Know what people are thinking. I think reading minds sounds a bit spooky, do, um, but just to perhaps have a little more insight in what's really going on for people when they say something, what do they actually mean? Mm, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. That that would be good. Mine one was to fly, so um, I quite um, yeah, I like I like your one. That was good. So curious. Describe yourself in three words. That was a good. That was a good. Um, good word. Thank you. Yeah, I always have been. I've always asked questions from being a three-year-old who used to drive my mum mad with the incessant why (laughs) to being a research scientist and geeking out over papers that uh, most people my my bedtime reading or reading on an aeroplane might be what other people just wouldn't look at I could be a bit nerdy about certain things particularly my subject matter I love to have a good geek out and I'm curious about what my clients bring into the room and as their story unfolds. And I think being curious and being open for them to express themselves and bring what they come with and know that it's safe to do so. So curious on different levels. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I, I can, when you describe it like that, I can completely see how it would be advantageous in your job and what you do. 
um, to have that approach. So that's that's brilliant. So t- tell us a bit more about your background and your your kind of business journey. You mentioned there that you were a scientist. So how did you how did you end up where you are now? So I have always known that I wanted to work in the health and wellbeing industry, um, even you know, with sight loss. But then a lot of the obvious options ha- had her- hurdles, obstacles that perhaps weren't so easy to overcome, like being a doctor or being a nurse. And some bits of it I could do very well, other bits probably not. So it was a case of, I know I've got this vocation, how can it be realised? And it's been a very long journey exploring options that might have worked but then didn't for some reason and I actually at 18 we decided that the best bet was for me to train as a speech therapist okay because that's all about speaking Mm. except it isn't because when people can't talk or they know that you're looking at their speaking they will do something other than speak so there were a lot of cues and things that I was missing. Yeah. So having done the full-blown training for two years and, you know, bust a gut over it, I was up and out at 8 o'clock in the morning or half seven doing... No, 8 o'clock, I think it was, doing orientation training and sometimes up at 2 o'clock at night still scanning in books so I could read them. So I, I gave my life to it and it didn't work out Uh, clinically I wasn't performing as I needed to academically there was not an issue Um, so I stayed in the field and trained in non-clinical speech and language science so I'm actually a um, I'm actually a qualified clinical phonetician I have a PhD in phonetics Um, and but but at the same time academic life and not being hands-on with people and just sort of sitting at the computer with data and, uh, you know, academic intensity, it started to really impact on my mental health. Okay. And I knew I needed to be hands-on with people doing some sort of therapy. It was like, if I couldn't do speech therapy, I went down the speech route, but really needed to be going down the therapy route. So right. yeah. I then trained, started my holistic therapy training while I was doing my PhD, which was mental. That sounds like an awful lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have a day. I had one day off in two months, I think it was at one point. And I was working on my PhD four days a week. It was supposed to be five, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, working on my therapy training three days a week, um, seeing clients in the evening, because I had, as soon as I got some qualification, I started to take some paying clients and get work experience. Um, it was a lot, and my husband, bless him, had to take the uh, take up the slack in the domestic department. And I had a guide dog to look after as well, so she needed sorting out. It Gosh. was I wouldn't do that again. No, that does sound like an immense amount of different things going on all at the same time. It was, but <laughs> I knew that once I finished my PhD, I wanted to get out of academia faster than uh, you could say jackknife, basically. So uh, and get into my business, which meant I needed to have the requisite qualifications. So it was yeah. again needs must. Yeah, and is that when you started up your business, or did you work for somebody? You mentioned you were practicing and getting um, paid clients and experience. So was was that when you set up your own business, or were, uh, were you working for somebody else? So initially, I did it sort of more as as a bit of a hobby, and then yes, once I got my well, yeah, my PhD and my therapy qualification, I set up my business in July 2012. Okay, I always worked for myself. I worked oh. in a range of settings, so I worked um, at the at a society for the blind and people were were very interesting because they had a lot of other conditions as well as sight loss uh, often comes alongside things like arthritis and fibromyalgia things like that depending on what's going on for people yeah so that was that was clinically fun Mm. 
And then I also worked in a physio clinic, a chiropractic clinic, worked for a big law firm, which I loved, going in and treating their um, their, their staff there, everyone from the telephonist to the senior partners. Wow, that's that's really interesting because, um, I mean, well-being obviously post the COVID last mm. two years has, has very much come to the forefront. But mm. um, <clears throat> actually for a, a law firm back in, you know, maybe five, ten years ago to have the foresight to have somebody in to come and help their teams, that, that must have been quite um, quite a forward-thinking company to be working with. It was great, and it really did boost their productivity. You could you could see that people that came with a lot of anxiety could escape. They gave me a lovely big room where where the, the clients could come, and it literally was like they weren't at work anymore. And they, they thought, oh, I'll never be able to switch off from work. But as soon as I got some music on and yeah, got a couch up, they were fine. They were absolutely fine, and they got a lot out of it. Somebody who'd injured themselves and wasn't able to to run thought he'd never run after 40 well he he did run again so people did get specific help for their injuries but also I'd like to think that it it enhanced the atmosphere in the place a little bit people certainly appreciated it and I was I was very well treated and valued and that hasn't always been the case I've worked in some places where I didn't feel particularly valued or appreciated so it's nice Mm. that Nabarro I got the the full VIP treatment. (laughs) Oh it's brilliant. Is there anything when you very first started out that you wish you'd known or that you wish you'd done differently? Oh so many things. Um, I wish (coughs) I'd known about cancellation policies. (laughs) Yes (laughs) some basic business practices. (laughs) I think this is it I mean I've just finished a four-year business mentorship training but you you learn all about your 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 therapy your modalities and a smattering of business practice but really you need both. I Mm. wish I'd known how to market I wish I'd known about networking and talking to people rather than putting loads of expensive adverts out there that didn't make me anything. I lost a lot of money just by doing the wrong things in the wrong order yeah. and not knowing any better. Yeah, and there, was, there is definitely an order, I think, when you set your business yeah. up. There's kind of the building blocks you need to get into place before mm. you sort of start investing in marketing and um, yeah. and those sort of things. But it's tough, isn't it? Because when you start out, generally budgets are really tight. Yeah, um, so it's hard, hard to know where to start sometimes. Yeah, yeah but I, I certainly did make losses rather than profits because I, um, I, I just didn't know and I, I did the wrong things and I lost a lot of money. And with hindsight I think I'd have done a business training and I don't just mean the free stuff that you can get from the government I mean a proper mentorship preferably from someone in the same industry as you who has done a really good job so the guys that mentor me are practitioners and they've got seven-figure businesses so you're talking multi-millions Mm. Uh, of property and, and they're working on other things as well because they know how to do it yeah that that's really interesting and really um, really good advice I guess for anybody out there listening that perhaps wants to consider starting their own business it, it's to look at look at those around you and kind of go okay well they're doing things really well either approach them to see if they would mentor you or or kind of try and you know kind of see what they're doing and try and not copy it but um you know try and mirror mirror some of the good positive actions mirror some of the positive actions I think as well you need somebody who my mentor as well as doing far better than me he has also screwed up way worse than me as well (laughs) which is good as well to have to have 
Yeah, so you can say from personal experience, definitely yeah. don't do this. <laughs> yeah, so he, know, he knows what works and he knows what doesn't work. He knows the pitfalls and he sort of learned the hard way and now he's uh, put this together so we could all learn the easy way. Oh, well, that's Easier, good. and I wouldn't say it Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Is there one big mistake that you wish, um, you know, maybe in, in hindsight that you're grateful for that you learned the most from or is it just kind of a, a sort of a series of different things that perhaps um, kind of built up to lots of experience and learning? Probably the latter, a, a series of, of, of things. Investing in yourself, and that doesn't mean doing more and more courses. Oh, yeah, I guess that's another thing as well. Don't think that doing loads and loads more training in your modality is what's going to bring the clients through the door. Because it's like, oh, once I'm qualified as a massage therapist, I'll get loads of clients. Once I'm qualified as a sports massage therapist, then I'll get loads of clients. Once I'm qualified as an integrated myofascial therapist, then I'll get loads of clients. And I'm not saying don't train and don't become an expert because going on courses, let's face it, is is a lot of fun. But, or it can be, um, but actually it's about talking to people about not I'm a this therapist or a that therapist but like I said to you earlier I help these particular people with this particular problem and this is the outcome person problem solution and I think that's my biggest mistake because if you say I'm a blah um, people will put you in a box that they're mm. conceived ideas really people want to know who you help and what you help them with and what's yeah. in it for them yeah. and I, I think you're right yeah. with um with, um, I'm going to use the right words now, with alternative therapies. Is that the right word? Complementary. Complementary therapies. There we go. Um, so with complementary therapies, you're right. If you kind of say massage, people have a, an immediate perception. But actually, that's quite, you know, I think it's become more recognised chiropractors or osteopathy or, or those kind of um, disciplines. But, um, but again, yeah, it's, it's trying to be clear, I guess, on but again, um, what you do. Again, I, I would query that because... Um, you know, if, if someone's an osteopath, I work with an osteopath who's incredibly gentle and I wanted to refer someone. I said, I've got a lovely osteopath, I think would be right. And she just went, don't like osteopath. Last one I saw nearly broke my back. So again, <laughs> yes, I think using yeah. those titles, you know, it could be that they had a good experience, a bad experience or massage. It might be that someone sort of did 10 rounds of Mike Tyson on their back or it might be that they just sat there and, you know, they found it very fluffy and didn't do anything very ineffectual or or indeed if you do just a search for massage in any town or city on google what comes up is quite different yes i can imagine and not the legit stuff either necessarily Mm. we we get a mixture of both definitely i remember searching for massage in sheffield and what came up was sort of open all night any (laughs) times you know so you've got (laughs) You've got to be really careful. Yes. So I think actually for me, taking away those labels and not having to list all my qualifications was actually very liberating because no one cares what you do, as my mentor says, no one cares what you do until they know what you can do for them. Yes, that's an interesting thought. Um, so how about, and how about the future? What's, um, what's on the horizon? You've obviously got exciting times on Friday night, mm. but what, what's, um, what's next for you? Um, is to build up the client base more because I've only been in Bracknell since, well, working Reading, but living in Bracknell since 2019, and we've okay. had this thing called a pandemic. Yes, yeah, it's kind <laughs> so, of got in the way a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> particularly for hands-on practitioners, which is why I developed a pivot. But, yeah, I want to grow that business, and ultimately three things. I'm thinking in terms of maybe franchising so that my business model can actually spread beyond me, so it doesn't all have yep. to be me. I'm thinking of 
doing more with the research and actually part of the the reason why we don't get a lot of cooperation from mainstream health professionals is because we, we have a growing research base but we are not we don't have that established evidence-based practice yet it's coming um, but we need that credibility mm. and then we don't we don't get the funding for research because we're not we don't have that credibility and then it's no no credibility, no funding, no funding, no credibility. Yeah. So no it's research. kind of it's a kind of goes between. round and round in circles. It, it, it is. Yeah. Um, so that's something I want to do a lot more with because there aren't many PhDs in complementary health, and I actually feel I've got something to contribute there. Excellent. So, and the other work I really want to do is to have my business working for me because I want to work pro bono with homeless people. And oh, what a great what a great thing to be doing. Well, that was brilliant. Well, thank you for showing um, a bit more there about your business journey, Sarah. Um, and certainly um, love the the kind of the charity element that you mentioned at the end there. Um, there are a lot of big challenges that um, out there for small business owners at the moment. But before we start to perhaps explore that a little bit further, um, we're going to play another song that you've chosen for us. Um, and that was Try Everything by Shakira. Is there a, a reason behind why you like this this song? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's my mentor's kind of theme tune and they get us all up and dancing. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's about trying everything in life, even though you are going to mess up sometimes and you might you, know, you make lots of mistakes and that's how you learn. And I think it's a really positive message that people in business or people in life need to hear. But yeah, we have a, a boogie to that in my business mentorship. So I just associate it with my lovely mentors and everything they've inspired me to go on and do. Excellent. Well, I love that reason. So um, for that reason, let's play Try Everything um, by Shakira. Enjoy. I messed up tonight. I lost another fight. I still mess up, but I'll just start again. I keep falling down. I keep on hitting the ground. But I always get up now to see what's next. Birds don't just fly, they fall down and get up. Nobody learns without.
Welcome back. You're listening to me, Sophie Comas, on the River Radio's Business Source Show. Thank you for listening in this afternoon. Today we're joined by Dr. Sarah Bryan. And so far we've learned all about Sarah and her business and how she helps her clients. Don't forget, if you have missed part of today's show, you can listen to the show again via the website, which is river.radio, as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the discussions we're having on the show this afternoon, please drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. So, Sarah, there are, there are many challenges facing the small business world at the moment on many levels, and I think you've only got to listen or, or, or hear the news at the moment to, to realise that actually some of them are really quite significant um, as we kind of move forward in, a, I guess, a post-re- post-COVID recovery world. But for, for your business and for, for your clients and things, what, what do you see the, the kind of maybe the three biggest challenges that you have on the horizon as you move forward? I actually don't think there'll be new challenges. I think some of the challenges that have always existed might be a little bit magnified. So the one that immediately comes to mind is, and this could go one of two ways, people wanting to spend money on their health. So, you know, whereas people will spend thousands on a holiday or a new car or getting their house or garden renovated, landscaped, they are not used to spending money on their health because the NHS is free in quotes, saying quotes because we pay our taxes, obviously. Um, But I think there is a mindset around healthcare provision should be free. And I think possibly more so. But on the other hand, the NHS is really struggling right now. And people can't or don't want to wait months and months for treatment if it's really impacting on their life and they can't sleep and they can't run their business, like like the lady that I mentioned earlier Mm. by the time she finished working with me she still hadn't got her appointment but she was back in the saddle and and growing great guns so I think also the lockdown has encouraged people to focus on what's really important to them and it isn't all about having more stuff but actually quality of life experience spending time with family so it could go one of two ways for us because I still think people have money People choose what to spend their money on. And there are generally people that are going to struggle to eat and pay their heating bills. And I'm not sort of downplaying that at all. I think the vast majority of us do have some disposable income and we choose how to dispose of it. So it is, I think the challenge is creating something for people and that outcome, that permanent holiday from their pain Mm. that makes them think it's actually worth investing in their one body because you can replace a car, but you can't... replace your body so yeah. i think that is the main challenge yeah. so that's kind of mindset of of individuals money. i guess of as around to where money, they yeah yeah, yeah around, around money and, and where they focus on things and and you're right i guess maybe it takes people with kind of almost extreme pain and kind of just go actually i'm just so uncomfortable i don't know what to do with yeah. myself um to then go right i need to get this sorted yeah absolutely and i think the challenge to our industry is is to solve bigger problems and offer an outcome-focused intervention rather than working on a session-by-session, session, come and have a massage. Because I mean, that is that is fine. But, you know, you need to con- connect the client with the outcome. And also, they will they respond differently. They do the things you, you suggest that they do. They fully engage, and they're going to get better faster. There's mm. no doubt of it. Yeah, definitely. 
So that that I would say is the main challenge and the the research as as I said sort of upping upping the game with with research and funding for that so that we can show people the evidence that they need to see that what we do does work. Yeah. Because I've I've worked um <clears throat> a little bit with people who work within the healthcare sector and I definitely <laughs> notice that they you know they want the proven results of of things so rather than kind of saying oh well, let's you know let's try this new and innovative thing mm. they they want the the research so I can see in your world how important that would be to take the time to conduct the research in a you know in a credible way yeah. um and and to kind of get the results that that are needed to help move things forward in that area yeah which is a challenge in itself because the way we treat people is very bespoke you know what, what's good for one person um, may not be good for another mm. um, and so with your, your traditional studies they want a specific protocol we did this exact method and use that exact technique or whatever but actually that isn't how holistic therapy works because it's about being there working with and responding to what that person brings in the room so you know you're going sort of almost back to a more product base where if you go if you and I went to a spa and booked an LMS deep tissue massage that is a product massage and we would get the same and that's great for research trials but to actually find the evidence base for truly person-centered therapy is really difficult because by nature it's non-standardized and that's why it, yeah. it that's a big part of why it works because yeah. it isn't standardized yeah that's that's a really interesting way of, of thinking about it actually because i hadn't hadn't thought of it that way is is there a way of maybe focusing on the process of how you go go through things so kind of the process of working out what's wrong with somebody identifying the treatment and then giving kind of examples and case studies does that you know, I, I don't yeah. have a science background yeah. at all so i don't know if that that Yes, that, absolutely. We we do do that, I and mean, it can stay a bit anecdotal. But yeah, we we do use things like patient reported outcome measures, problems we call them. But asking people when they first come, what are their greatest health concerns, and on a scale of say one to six, how bad is it? One being well, zero being no problem, six being horrendous, can't cope, the worst possible, and then monitoring how that that changes over the course of weeks or months. Um, and then thinking, oh, that's interesting. And if it, if it gets worse one week or it gets better, then what happened in the treatment to uh, impact on that? So, yeah, there there are things that we can we can do ourselves as an indication of what's working and what isn't. There's still a long way to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, and then I guess if you're you know thinking of your because you you talked there very much around the challenges faced um, between yourself and your clients and the within the clients themselves. But what about from a a kind of a scaling business perspective? Is there is there something that you're you know you mentioned earlier that you wanted to grow your organisation? You wanted to potentially look at franchising and other things. Is there are there any challenges that you you can see on the horizon in in kind of moving your business forward with with the growth? I think probably that growth mindset and approaching other practitioners who might be curious about becoming franchisees but involves a very different structure of business model and I guess educating people around that way of of thinking because it would be a non-sessional outcome focused model um, and you are it's different from a money point of view from a commitment the, the client and the therapist point of view and yeah getting people to see that this is actually very advantageous for clients. Mm. 
um, as well as being a good business model, but actually driving driving that forward from a sort of scarcity money mindset into an abundant money mindset because there is still money. It's just who has it that, that is a challenge. But money is not decreasing. It, it, it flows in mm. various directions. Yeah, so, yeah. Definitely. And if we can do that in a heart-centered, in a person-centered way, because, of course, we want viable businesses. A lot of practitioners... They they want they've got family to feed they've got aspirations things they want to do, and yet when you're treating someone who's in pain or unwell, there can be a lot of reticence about actually charging very much money for that and actually yeah. wanting to do it sort of make it affordable and actually if we if those that that pay do then we we have more enterprises perhaps and you know like pro bono work for maybe homeless or other people who really can't afford it, then we can help mm. them as well. Because if, yeah. if you earn more, you can actually help more people. Yeah, no, that's an interesting theory. And I guess, um, you know, coming from a sort of a science and medical background, I, you know, I see that that is definitely something which is inbuilt in people that they kind of, they want to do it for free and they want mm. to, to give as much as they can yeah. um, to help people, which is, which is important to be doing. And it is important, but at the same time, if you give things out for free, <coughs> people don't engage the same and they don't get as much out of it. So actually when people pay for things they pay attention and yeah. and they see the value in it yeah and mm. they will get a lot more out of it so you're doing them a favor when you when you charge them a decent amount of money that honors your expertise and your time yeah definitely yeah no I, I see that quite a lot as well but obviously there's a lot that you can um find on our friend google these days mm. but um or the search engines but actually if you you know if you are skilled in your craft and in your your field to to reflect that um is is really important to do um so um just kind of coming to to perhaps the end of the show um, with us this afternoon sarah so um you know you've obviously got a wealth of experience over the last 10 years in building your business and engaging with um with lots of clients um if there's anybody out there listening this afternoon who's thinking about making the move to setting up their own small business perhaps within the health and well-being sector did you have some a top tip or some advice for them this afternoon I can think of three top tips. <coughs> if Brilliant. Yeah. I think number one, moving on from what we were saying, is to make your business work be the ca- the painkiller, not the vitamin, i.e. be the must-have for people in their lives rather than the nice-to-have, solve mm-hmm. bigger problems. That would be number one. My number two would be be a progressionist not a perfectionist says she who wrote a phd thesis it's okay to do things don't just wait till things are perfect in order to start doing them you know i'll put these videos on my website when i can afford to have a video to edit it no put them on now they might be a bit rough around the edges that's okay but get it out there even if it's still being honed still being developed and be a a progressionist uh, and then actually moving it forward yeah I love that I see that quite a lot in my work as well mm. but um you know especially with websites and things oh I can't yeah. push my website live yet not it's ready it's, it's not perfect it's never going to be perfect and it's also never going to be finished so just push it out there and crack on <laughs> like a garden there'll always be weeds and there'll always be space for new plants as well definitely um, so that was be my, my third one is and this is perhaps geared at people with additional challenges, whether it's a disability or a difficult, a challenging life situation. Um, It's a quotation from Ivana Lynch, who was on Saturday Live a few months ago, and she said, you have to find a higher calling that makes it worth fighting your demons. 
That's interesting. So your why? Yeah. What What is your why? My My bigger why is about research and homeless people, and you need something that's bigger than you, so that you can get out out of bed in the morning in the pouring rain and get to work and get on it and get doing whatever it is you've got to do, even if things aren't going to plan or you're not feeling tip top. Mm. I love that. That's that's brilliant. And you know what? I don't know if it's the universe sent, telling me something about that because I've I've had about three conversations in about two weeks around what's your why. A, a friend was um, was wanting to um, do some personal training, and it was like, well, what's your why? What's your motivation? What's going to keep you going when it gets tough? And then another friend was was doing something with a nutritionalist and wanting to lose a bit of weight. And it's you know it's not enough just want to lose weight. Mm. What's the un- overarching driving force? behind why you want to make changes so I really like that I think that's um that's really important yeah absolutely and if if you're not progressing with something it's worth thinking do I need is this something I really need and want to do Mm. and if if it is then maybe just redirecting that why something that's bigger and more important to you to make that happen definitely Definitely. So before we wrap up for the show this week, Sarah, thank you ever so much for joining us this afternoon. It's been a pleasure having you on the Business Source show this afternoon. It's been great to hear all about your business, your journey, um, and to explore some of the challenges faced by small businesses within your sector. If someone wishes to find out more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? You can either give me a call or drop me an email. And the phone number is 07 nine four nine six five four seven seven nine oh seven nine four nine six five four seven seven nine or you can email hello at dr sarah bryan dot com so that's hello h e double l o at d r s a r a h b r y a n dot com brilliant that's lovely. Thank I'm you sure so much. If they didn't catch all that, they can email you, can't they? And they can indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, good luck with the awards on Friday. Thank you. Um, I'm sure it'll be amazing. Look forward to hearing all of the um, the outcome. Um, so, um, yeah, take care, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, next week, Fiona will be back on the show with some more great guests. If you have any questions about today's show um, or you'd like to get in touch with Sarah, please do drop me an email to sophie at river.radio. We also have some um, great other shows coming up on the River Radio Network across the rest of the week, so don't forget to stay tuned. And of course, if you've missed part of today's show, you can listen again via the website river.radio or podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. So all it leaves me to do is to leave you with Polly to wish you a lovely week and look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind And they never give you credit It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it Nine to five for certain Devotion, you would think that I would deserve a bad promotion. Want to move ahead, but the boss won't seem to let me. I swear sometimes that man is out to 
just to watch him shatter You're just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away In the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day you're shooting 